This is John at Ubaldi Reports, the, the news site that provides fact, not fiction, on issues facing the country, whether internationally or globally. And this is conducted by two combat Marines from the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. We just wanted to provide fact, not fiction, on the news. We don't um, editorialize. We just provide you facts. Hey, Joe, what's going on? I'm great, John. How are you? I'm doing good. And this is another great day in America. So we do have a guest. In, uh... Oh, that's we do. Why don't you introduce our guest? All right. So he's a Marine. So, hey. I mean, he would be in good company. Yeah, that's, that's true. And he is from New, he was from New Jersey. I think he got out when it getting was good. Yeah, he's a smart man. Smart uh, man. My cousin, Ray. Oh, your cousin. Yeah, he's my cousin. Oh, that's, that's good. It's like know. what? We're like what? Third cousins or second cousins? It's down it's down the list. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, like it, 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 this it, would be like something like in Kentucky or something. But it, go ahead. it is. And, you know, I think we both, you know, had a calling for the Marine Corps and stuff like that. So, yeah, and, you know, he has his expertise in a lot of things, but he's also a lot younger. He's younger than us. Not a lot younger, but he is younger than us. Well, how old, Ray, how old are you? 27 years old. Turning 28. Okay, so he kind of falls in that millennial. A lot younger. Does he fall in that millennial He's 30 crowd? years younger than me. <laughs> like, I think he's like 15 years right, younger. I'm not, doing, I'm, not, I'm, not do, I'm not doing quick math, but I think he's like 15 years younger than me. you got to remember, Joe was in the Marines and he was combat wounded, so the IED stepped on, jar, jar, uh, jostled his noggin around a little bit. Yeah. So I'd like to you know see what he has from his perspective because we're going to be talking about the State of the Union. Yeah, and that was um, given last night. It was President Biden's first State of the Union address. He spoke to the nation last year, but that was more of a joint session of Congress, and it wasn't a State of the Union. But almost all State of the Unions, basically, you kind of reflect on what you you accomplished and what you're going to accomplish and what you want the Congress to do and what legislation or what direction you want to take the country. So when President Biden took office, well, not took office, gave his State of the Union address, there's a lot of problems that are on his plate. The overseas, which is the 800-pound gorilla in the room, is the ongoing situation in Ukraine with Russian troops invading that country about a week ago. Uh-huh. Then on the domestic side, which is internally into the United States, you have inflation at a 40-year high. You have rising crime throughout the country. You have a border crisis. You have a pan- ending of a pandemic or a continuing of the pandemic. And you have severe supply chain disruptions. So you have a lot of issues that the president's having to deal with. And there were some who speculated that he should just keep continue what he's doing. That's mainly on the progressive side. A few Democrats wanted him to change course, change direction to where he's going because you needed to address the ongoing problems. Then you also factor in with the situation in Ukraine. It affected the um, gas prices. And I'm sure all our listeners can see that gas prices are spiking now. I think um, as of today, they went up to $110 a barrel the highest level they were at since um, 2014. So Obama era, right? Yeah, that was during the President Obama era. Never, never, never during the Trump era has it been that high, has it? No, no, it was not high. It was when uh, Joe Biden took office, energy prices per barrel 
was $54 a barrel. It, now it's $110 a barrel. Any pandering, you think, to uh, any set audience or the, the members? Look, so my personally, looking at the State of the Union, I think he did an okay job. He kind of hit on some points, but I think that was his kind of a, like his motive, him talking about the uh, immigration crisis, him talking about taking care of veterans, him taking talking about buying America, buying American for American. He was hitting on a lot of points. I did hear a lot of cheese from here and there. You know, him kind of drag it. He always has to put his son in. He has to insert his son somewhere. Yeah, when, I noticed that. He, he brings up his father about how they had to worry about food, which was been debunked. The other thing is, I think when you say who is he pandering to, I think he was pandering to that progressive base because he didn't mention Build Back Better, but he mentioned everything that's in the Build Back Better uh, legislation that he's trying to pass that is stalled in the Senate. Now, there was a former Democratic congressman named Harold Ford Jr. He's an analyst on Fox. And he's more of a blue dog Democrat. And he wanted President Biden to change direction because with inflation going up, with the concern about the economy and 60 over 60 percent said the country's in the wrong direction. This was his time to make that bold choice. And he never did. Mm -hmm. He just doubled down on doing the same course of action. Anything divisive? Did you notice during the. Well, there were a couple digs at the previous administration when he mentioned the tax cut. The mm -hmm. tax cut benefited the top 1%. Well, the Washington Post fact-checked it and gave him a three three Pinocchios. Okay. Because all the different um, economic groups, think tank, policy centers said the, the, the uh, benefit of the tax cuts benefited the bottom half they benefited by higher wages because if they looked at the wage gains in between Bush, Obama, and Clinton, George Bush, the, the average citizen, gained about five to $600 of wage increase. Obama was about 1000 and change. Now, uh, oh, hold on. President Trump had over 5000 per individual American. So that was debunked. So, you know, Ray, I kind of want to get him inserted here a little bit more, but okay. uh, talking to Ray, did you notice or did you see anything during the State of the Union that you might have had concerns or even some questions you might even have for John? I think more or less, I don't know if I have any questions, but concerns that I had of the State of the Union was I saw a lot of contradictions. More or less, there was a insert or there was a part of his speech where he said that he wanted businesses to lower cost, and I would say maybe a paragraph, paragraph later or two, and I might be wrong, but he also wanted to raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour, and you, you can't have both. Well, um, but you make a point. When you say contradiction, that was the one thing I brought up on a TikTok video I did about the speech is he wants to – he said when this was an inflation – he goes, he believes inflation's a problem. He understands the concerns of Americans. But he said to businesses, the way to reduce inflation <clears throat> is you need to lower your cost, not your wages. Wages have gone up. The problem is, how do you lower costs when your energy costs went up, utility costs went up, your food costs go up? 
All your um, supplies have gone up. Everything you try to order has gone up. So it depends what business you're in. Your costs have gone up across the board. So you can't eliminate that. But yet you're told reduce your costs. How do you reduce it when the federal government is making it harder for you to run your business and making it more expensive to run your business? So that did make sense. Does wage fall under cost? Yes. Okay, so that's a labor. It's cost. like a snake eating its own tail. Well, kind of one thing. of the problems is wages have gone up, but it's artificially gone up because businesses now have to spend more to keep employee their employees or have to pay more to bring an employee in. Mm-hmm. So normally wages would go up in a normal way, but when it has to spike at a higher level to retain those employees. Those are, that's eating into inflation. Then mm-hmm. when the president said everybody should be paid $15 an hour. Now, that's great to a degree, but the Congressional Budget Office had, had said many times that those who, if you pay people $15 minimum wage, there's going to be millions who are going to make more money. Those with some skills are going to benefit. But he said that, well, they said that those who have no skills or minimal skills would lose their jobs because nobody's going to pay you $15 an hour for someone who has no experience and no skills, no education or whatever. Mm -hmm. So they're going to be out of the workforce. Then somebody's got to come in and take care of these people who can't get a job. That means more money for welfare programs, social services, food stamps. That's going to drive up costs for the federal government. Did he kind of maybe take out of his state union about green energy because of what's going on currently with the crisis uh, well, or with the oil crisis or with the oil problems? He did. That came up. He goes, I understand fuel costs have gone up. And he says the way to combat the fuel costs is we need to invest in green technology. That's me, wind and solar. Mm-hmm. The problem is, and even his press secretary says it's going to be years away from if everybody focuses on Keystone XL, that'll be years away. We have to focus off now and look at Europe. They're paying a you know a couple hundred percentage points uh, percentage increase in their fuel costs. The reason they're doing that is what Jen Psaki and the president didn't allude to is Europe went to green technology, wind and solar, and they utilize those instruments far more than the United States does. The problem is you cannot get enough energy through wind and solar. Like last summer, it wasn't as windy in Europe as previous winters, I mean previous summers. So that's less energy from wind. So they have to make the sh- make up the shortfall. And what they did, they got rid of all their natural gas uh, refineries. They also got rid of nuclear power. So now they're beholden to Russia. And if you remember... During the Trump administration, he told Germany specifically and Western Europe, we can sell you all the natural gas you want. We can sell you all the liquefied natural gas because the United States is the Saudi Arabia of natural gas. Mm -hmm. But we acquiesce that. I mean, we're still number one, but Russia is fairly close behind. And all we did is tell Russia, you need to pump more. And now we're financing the war in Ukraine by still buying Russian energy. So we kind of really let in there. And I really, I like his stance against Putin, you know, saying, you know, he's not saying, hey, we're not going to take care of you until you kind of step on NATO. 
So uh, what's, you know, I also... I like that stance. He was very strong against Putin, very strong against Russia. Now, the former vice chief of staff of the U.S. Army, Jack Keane, or General Jack Keane, he runs an organization that he heads called the Institute for the Study of War. And what he said, he goes, he liked that stance that he stood it up to Russia, telling Putin, we're going to put these crippling sanctions on, minus the energy one, which he said we need to definitely look at. But the one thing Biden did is he took like a victory lap. We did this. We're punishing Putin. But bombs are still falling. And like I said on a previous radio show I did, what's going to happen when Russia surrounds Kiev? Is Putin going to do to Kiev what he did to Grozny in in Chechnya? And just to refresh our viewers, in the second Chechen war, after the first Chechen war, Russia got defeated. The second Chechen war, Putin went in with an aggressive attitude, and he just surrounded the city with his tanks and artillery pieces and bombed the city into rubble. Is he going to do that to to Kiev? And then if that's the case, where we have a lot more reporting and media affiliates in Kiev, how is that going to play to the Western world when thousands of thousands of Ukrainians are killed? especially if women and children are killed. How does the West respond then? So those are points that need to be addressed. And so far, President Biden seems to be reacting to events instead of being proactive. I would have to say, John, that it's something hard to see. This is the first time in my life that I've watched a almost dictatorship life style of leadership invade an unprovoked country i personally don't have an answer on what could actually happen i'm I'm a lot younger but i do feel that there there definitely could be a war if putin keeps going my personal opinion is i i heard the news that there's possibly uh russians taking over a city already Correct. And That's down by Odessa, by just a little bit north of the um, the Crimea. My concern is if Putin gets on a roll of accumulating these cities, my fear is that he might keep going forward and striking NATO. Well, the reason and- I bring that up is history's a guide, and I know I'm a little older than both of you two. But in 92, right after Sr. lost his election to uh, Bill Clinton, there was a horrific uh, humanitarian crisis in Somalia. And when the video started to come back, it prompted, it forced the United States that we have to do something. So that's when they sent the Marines in and some Army units into Somalia. Then if you really go back a little over 100 years ago, World War I. World War I, we all know in history, it started by Archduke Ferdinand getting assassinated by a Serb nationalist. But neither country, like Austria-Hungary, Serbia, Russia, Germany, France, England, wanted to go to war, but they were drawn into it, you know, by, I got to protect this person. So things have unattended consequences. So what all I'm saying is I'm not advocating sending U.S. forces into Ukraine. I'm not advocating bombing this or doing this. All I'm saying is the president needs to 
and I hope this is what we don't know, that his national security staff, his military staff, the chairmen of the Joint Chief, his senior military commanders, they're looking at this. Right. So the question is, if this happens, what is our response? And what is our response to prevent that type of humanitarian disaster? Because right now you have a million Ukrainians flooding out of Europe. Now they're being taken care of, but then what do you do? Well, and that's my my concern is, you know, like you just said, every action has a reaction. And my concern is, even though we have harsh, harsh sanctions on Russia right now, and I mean, we have cr- like crippled their economy and their stock market. But my concern is if the U.S. and, and I don't want this to show off as U.S. is weak, but every action has a reaction and. If the United States does something with force, it might cause a reaction and open up China to being a financial asset for Russia. Well, right now, China is doing the financial. They're helping uh, Russia out financially in some other areas. But the other thing is, excuse me, just today, okay, a couple days ago, Putin put his forces on, his nuclear forces on alert. And then he made a comment, and then Sergei Lavrov, the foreign minister, made a comment about nuclear war. I mean, we're close to World War Three or something like that with nuclear weapons, Very, which you don't do. Now, there are speculation from both Republican and Democratic administration, foreign leaders who have dealt with them, including the President uh, Macron of France, that uh, Vladimir Putin seems erratic. He seems um, like he's paranoid. He's trapped. He li- like almost all autocrats. They listen to a small group of people. Yep. So when you have an un- an irrational leader, he's going to make irrational decisions. So we don't want to do anything. And I think one of the decisions the U.S. made today was they canceled an inter- intercontinental mal- a ballistic missile test just so nobody can mis misunderstand that we're doing something in the context but that's the the thing that worries me is you have an irrational leader and all we're doing is reacting to his his moves now going back to earliest i guess going back to world war ii we kind of knew hitler was the head but he also had Uh, a number of people kind of orchestrating it with him. Who's orchestrating it with Putin right now, or is it just Putin? Well, it's right it- now it's Putin. He has this oligarch, some of his strong supporters who have made billions during, um, over the Russian over the years in Russia. So we really don't. I don't think at this point, and I've seen anything that we really have an idea of his inner circle. Who is he? Who is he listening to? Who do we have to worry about when Putin goes away? The biggest worry I think we have is a power vacuum would set up. Because so that's we, when like, or, uh, the China, China will kind of go into that. Well, to a degree, but I mean, it's worse with Putin because if Putin goes, we don't know really who is next. Mm-hmm. All Almost all autocrats will have a, a very close aides but then they don't have a successor like we have a vice president even the taker now china they have a central committee if something happens to president xi they replace him and replace him with somebody else yeah 
But with Russia, we really I don't think anybody knows if he goes, what's next? Who takes over? Does America like kind of come in and be like, hey, here's our constitution. Why don't you guys copy it and you guys do the same well, thing? Well, we've done that across the, the world. But, I mean, it's in those autocratic countries, their people are suppressed. They don't have the freedom of, of the press and speech that we have. Mm-hmm. They don't have the constitutionalities of the First Amendment and the things that we so enjoy. So it's very difficult. That was like when, in, uh, when the Soviet Union broke up. They went through like a 10-year period of, of turmoil because they had Boris Yeltsin, but there was no structure. Democracy isn't an election. It's the institutions that make us strong. Like we have strong institutions no matter how much we complain. We have a president, we have a, a Congress, and we have a judicial branch. Well, the judicial branch can null and void something that is unconstitutional. The president did, mm-hmm. and they have done that. And they can say something that Congress did is unconstitutional. They've done that as well. Yeah. So it's we're in a very difficult period. And I hope our elected officials on both sides of the aisle, Republicans and Democrats, understand that if we're dealing with an irrational leader, he's going to make irrational decisions. And we need to have a plan for all cases. Well, he has been talking about tactical nukes. Yeah. And that's. Everybody's wondering what does he mean by that. So, uh, but, but going back to the original part of the podcast is by Putin has started to do things because he sees the weakness of Joe Biden. Because you remember when he came in, he ended America's energy independence. Mm-hmm. He's Trump's put sanctions on Nord Stream two that brought natural gas from Russia through a pipeline through the Baltic Sea into Germany. Now, it wasn't operational, but he put sanctions on that. Uh, Biden lifted that. Yeah. He put together an intermediate nuclear arms deal that really heavily favored Russia. He's, Russia saw the debacle in Afghanistan. What about Ted Cruz trying to push through a bill and it getting filibustered by uh, Chuck Schumer on trying to cut off for Russia. Yeah, see, so it's things like that because the interesting part, and I listened to one segment, Putin has never understood the West. He's been a KGB. He's really never traveled really a lot to the West. Never doesn't understand how democracies work. I heard he was a clerk in the KGB. Whatever he did, but he was KGB. Okay, yeah, and there's a lot of people CIA, but doesn't mean no, maybe one, mean, maybe but, one of them parking my car. But you got to right remember, the CIA is different than the KGB. Mm-hmm. KGB is a spy organization, just like the, K, the CIA. But these guys are ruthless, mm-hmm. and he came as part of that. And that's one of his biggest fallacy. He believed was the the greatest um, catastrophe of the 20th century was the collapse of the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. But going back to Biden's State of the Union address, he just, he sees weakness. I mean, everybody focuses on the statement Trump made about he's a smart guy, and everybody focuses on that, but they need to look beyond the rhetoric and look at the actions Trump did. He put crippling sanctions on Russia. He um, sent arms to Ukraine, and he killed 200 Russian mercenaries in Syria. Mm Mm-hmm. So now we're at the State of the Union address. We're seeing our economy that's not quite there. Now, Joe Biden did test that. He created 6 million jobs, 
But even fact-checkers at the Washington Post had said, you have to put that in context, meaning... We're still three million short. Well, we're three million short, but we were; those many jobs were created because the economy shut down completely. Okay. So you have nowhere else but to go but up. Mm-hmm. So did his policies really create that? Absolutely. Or it was not. just jobs coming back that normally what were coming back, but we're still three million jobs short. You were he met. Why did he mention like how the the tri- it was a two trillion dollar tax cut from the previous administration was. Benefiting the 1%. I think both of us, actually maybe all three of us in the room can say, we all benefited that and we're not in the 1%. Yeah. That was fact-checked by the Washington Post. Gave him three Pinocchios. That is not that is not true. Mm-hmm. The bottom half did far better than the top half. He throws that in because that's always been a Democratic talking point. And that highlights why we need to spend all this money. Now, he says it was an add to the deficit, but that's not exactly factually true. Mm-hmm. The Congressional Budget Office in November of 2021 stated that his original bill would add about um, another trillion or two to the debt. Then when they, the Congressional Budget Office in December, when Lindsey Graham, sent, the senator from South Carolina, sent them a letter saying, can you add up? all the programs that he wants to do and extend it through the life of the Build Back Better-led piece of legislation, they came back and said it would cost $5 trillion and add $3 trillion to the national debt. But that's not counting the economic part of that. If all these taxes are raised, what does business do? Mm-hmm. Do they well, we got to give this money to the government, so we're not going to invest in our company. we got to lay people off. And it's eerily reminiscent of what Franklin Roosevelt did in the mid-1930s. People understand that there was a Great Depression. They correlated from 1929 till we enter World War II, but there was two periods. 1920, by 1935, we had gotten all our gains back that we lost. The economy was coming out of it. And then Franklin Roosevelt overreached and raised massive amounts of taxes, put new regulations in. By 1937, we went into the second Great Depression. So, But everything that he's doing is eerily similar to what Joe Biden is trying to do with Build Back Better. Did the Democrats stop racism? Because he didn't really mention it. He didn't mention it one single bit. He didn't mention it, but he did it. But why? But he, No, but he indirectly mentioned it and what i mean by that is when he said that build back better no, excuse me the american rescue plan didn't leave anybody behind and it helped every americans that's not entirely accurate if they and part of the build back the um, american rescue plan it gave farmers loans to help you know build their 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 farms except those loans would only go to people of color if you were white you were excluded from that that's why they the farmers went to the supreme court and they um, sued and they won as the supreme court overturned saying you can't do that you can't give it to one group and exclude the other group now john i have a question for you you said earlier in the show that that it was a primarily based 
State of the Union that he was leaning more towards a progressive? Correct. Okay, so my question to you is, and as Joe pointed out, did the Democrats solve racism? How how do you feel about Joe Biden standing up there and talking about how he wanted to fund the police instead of defund, which is primarily a left-based Correct. claim that he you should they don't want to have extra funding for the police? I think what he's going to on that is he's playing to the midterm elections because that's that doesn't play well through the middle of the country. But in that same vein, when he said we're not I we do not support defund the police, I believe in funding the police. But then he talked about the two police officers that were killed in New York City who were shot and killed in a domestic violence call and he said we need to hold police accountable. That wasn't the case. They didn't do anything. They were right. shot at but they were ambushed. If you go back to a previous interview he did on a progressive, and I would have to look it up, but it's on a progressive radio station. They asked him about defunding the police. It's not defund the police. He goes, we need to move for, um, revenue around from the police. So that's basically defunding the police. Right. And then he was eerily silent when we had all those riots in 2020. So, and he's never called out the other Democrats, like the the progressives who believe in defund the police. And what about him about the immigration crisis? He mentioned it. He says he wants to put us, he wants to solve it. You know, we got Ted Cruz to stand up. What, what, I mean, because he seemed like they, they have been doing nothing, nothing for the entire first year of his administration to curtail this and now he wants to talk about it yeah i think ted cruz stood up because he supports we got to do something in immigration but what president biden didn't allude to is or the public needs to understand that well over two million um, illegals have crossed that border and Mm -hmm. when they do apprehend these individuals they just get released throughout the country so like when we were trying to tell everybody to mask up and be vaccinated all these illegals weren't masked up and weren't vac- vaccinated. So he didn't really solve what he would do. And then he talked in the same vein about all the fentanyl, all the illegal drugs coming in. But he does, does nothing when he has the border wide open and more fentanyl has crossed that border that could kill every American in the in the United States. Yeah. All right. So, so many more questions about this, but more COVID related. So maybe we can hit those up next time. Yeah, there's there's a lot to do. And there was a lot in the speech, but it was mainly, it was basically in one roundabout way, it was talking over Americans. Like if somebody landed from another planet and Joe Biden gave a speech, they didn't understand the backstory. Mm-hmm. He didn't solve, fix, tell everybody how they're going to fix inflation. Didn't say anything about how he's going to solve the crime issue we didn't talk about bail reform or how all these governors in these states are allowing criminals to get out and put in restrictions on privacies. Didn't talk about that. Didn't talk about supply chain disruptions and all the other things that are concerning Americans. That wasn't discussed. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So, if anybody wants to get a hold of you, how can they do that? They can go to ubaldireports at gmail dot com, or you can check us out on all our social media platforms. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, which we're all on right now. So, check us out. Let us know what you think, and send us questions that you want us to discuss. 
and we're still trying to fix this streaming thing. We're going to get it. We're going to get it. Just give us a chance. We're all work. We're both working full time, but we're going to get it. All right. So everybody have a great day, and we will talk to you soon. Yeah. Keep it up and keep listening to Ubaldi Reports. Until next time, let your friends and family know about Ubaldi Reports. <laughs> <laughs>